It's time for Lakes, Woods, and Irons at 1380 KLIZ The Fan, featuring Colin McDonald and Chris Foley. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Breezy Point Resort, your holiday station store on Mill Avenue and Cross Lake, Maury's Market, Rutgers Bay Lake Lodge, Ernie's on Gull, The Tea Hive, Halverson Law Office, and the Legacy Courses at Creggins. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, sponsored by Mills GM. And now here's Chris Foley and Colin McDonald for Lakes Woods and Irons at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, The Fan, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. That thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM, the home of affordable luxury, the 2018 Buicks. Have Chris... Uh, Busy week and kind of a short week with the holiday in here. We've got Chris at the golf course uh, giving lessons today and uh, taking time to uh, get our segment done. Chris, uh, welcome. Thanks, Mac. Got uh, people learning the game today, huh? <laughs> we do. It's uh, it's a nice day and a busy day and good holiday week. <laughs> Is your uh, young Scotsman still with you? You know, he uh, he went back to, uh, to Scotland on... Uh, late saturday and uh is back home safely and uh we're, we're missing him he became a quickly became a big part of our family i'll bet yeah aiden smith uh young guy we had on last week with us and uh that was fun he wasn't shy about his uh his aspirations in golf wants to be a professional player and uh obviously uh that means hours and hours and hours of work but uh he seems determined at this point anyway he he is determined he works hard at this game and uh but he's a good player. That's 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 for sure. And uh, it'll fun, be fun to see uh, how he progresses the rest of the summer. On tour, it was kind of fun. There was lots of uh, golf to watch this weekend. Uh, maybe not the biggest names at Tiger's uh, tournament in Washington D.C., but uh, uh, Tiger always draws the huge crowd. And he, then he got into contention, so uh, certainly gave everybody something to talk about. But I'll, but Molinari from uh, Italy, he might be there. I don't know. He might be the greatest player ever from Italy, and the man did he have a round yesterday. Finally wins in the United States. Yeah, boy, shoots eight under yesterday. Win, wins by eight, which is crazy on the PGA Tour. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was the, the biggest margin of victory uh, uh, in like 15 years is what I, I read this morning. So yeah, it just that's, doesn't that's happen. pretty impressive. No, but uh, shooting eight under the final round, uh, 62, uh, like we were talking off air, you said he missed a putt on 18, about an eight footer for 61, and uh, awfully impressive uh, victory in final round. Man, he was just pin seeking the whole way. Then the uh, women, they had a major, the KPMG uh, Women's PGA Championship, and it looked like I'll probably get the names wrong, but uh, So uh, So Yun Ru was going to win it. She was up by two with uh, two to play. And uh, then she double bogeyed the 71st hole and let everybody back in, and they had a three-way playoff. And uh, Sun Hu Park, who hit an, un- you may have, maybe have seen it uh, after, an unbelievable shot out of the edge of the water on 16 to make birdie. And then uh, uh, she wins in the playoff. So kind of came out of nowhere, really. I Actually, I, I turned it off because she was two up with two to play. I thought this is over. And then yeah. <laughs> I missed the double bogey in the playoff. Mm. Yeah, um, some some great play there on Sunday from uh, you know three three way playoff, and uh, it was surprising to see her make that that double coming coming down the stretch. But um, 
park um Park certainly capitalized on it, and uh, it was fun to see. Yeah, she rallied right at the end and then uh, played well in the playoff, of course. The, th- the thing you notice on the women's tour, and you've got a uh, great little golfer in your own family, Chris, the swings are so close to perfect. Boy, these ladies have great swings. Yeah, they really, they really do. And, they, they, you know, the, the difference that I, I see, in my opinion, between the men's tour and the ladies' tours the ladies have to swing because they don't have the club head speed that the men do. They have to swing it more efficiently um, to be able to to generate more power. Um, boy, you don't you don't see too many unconventional swings out there. They they all swing it pretty darn well. Yeah, yeah. And some uh, it was uh, f- fun to see a lot of consistency. It looked like some of the bigger names actually are. Uh, uh, your friend from Canada, his uh, one of his uh, players was right there at the finish and. She kind of fell away on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, Brooke Henderson shoot 74 yesterday to finish tie for sixth, but uh, another good week for her. Then uh, the know, third tournament of the day. Oh, go ahead. The uh, This is the tournament, uh, by the way, that's going to be at Hazeltine next year. So Oh, that's right, uh, yeah. yeah. Nice, nice preview of that. And uh, Boy, the, the ladies are saying it's the, you know, it is now the best major that they play all year, so... She was really emotional, Park. She is a, a very private person, you can tell. She does kind of the traditional uh, bowing when she finishes and that kind of thing. And uh, uh, But she sure got emotional. She doesn't show much emotion when she's playing, but when she won, it came out, which was pretty cool. Pretty cool, yeah. Then on the senior tour, uh, that was right down the stretch as well. Some uh, pretty good names. Uh, David Toms ends up at three under and gets the win. Uh, Jimenez and Jerry Kelly right behind him. Kelly just let it slip away. It seems he didn't uh, putt quite as well on uh, Sunday as he has as he had through most of the tournament. So David Toms, he's a major winner on uh, on both tours now. Yes, he uh, played very well. Uh, my my friend Mike McCoy played. Yeah, uh, in the U.S. Senior Open, he said uh, he said, "Boy, the the rough was." Uh, incredibly tough and he's you know the, the thing they didn't talk much about on I, I didn't see a lot of the coverage but he said for him one of the biggest the, the things he struggled with the most were the elevation change and you know playing at um yeah i think i think they were playing at about five thousand feet above sea level so that that golf ball travels you know probably uh, uh for the average guy 10 to 12 yards further and uh, then when you're dealing with more, you know, uphill, downhill, uh, makes a big difference. Yeah, oh, yeah, I bet. I don't think I've ever played at quite that elevation, but uh, makes you feel pretty good about the 7-iron when you belt her out there an <laughs> extra 12 right. yards. That's right. <laughs> All right, we'll be back with the more. going to be a kind of a best-of segment over the uh, 4th of July weekend. We'll be back with Chris for the fourth segment. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com. Thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM, the home of affordable luxury, the 2018 Buicks. We return now to a special conversation we had with Mark Ronai of Grandview Lodge in April after the passing of Fred Booz. Mark, thanks for taking the time today. We appreciate it. Well, it's great to talk to you. We've got, uh, of course, uh, a loss to the community, a loss to uh, golfing world in general. Uh, Fred Booz, your longtime boss out there at Grandview, and uh, uh, Fred, uh, quite a character by all accounts, a competitive guy, and uh, 
really changed uh, the golf uh, world in the Brainerd Lakes area, didn't he? Yes, he did. You know, Fred passed away last Friday, and I was fortunate to be with him when he passed. And, um, you know, he was sharp, right? You know, he was 84 years old, sharp right to the end. I mean, the day before... The day before he uh, passed away, he called me with a couple suggestions, which led me to think about something as it relates to Fred, which is, you know, um, Fred was always one, and, and Chris, you know this, as well as, you know, I'm sure you've heard it, um, Fred was one for suggestions. There's always a better way of doing it, yeah. and he always had the answer. So I'm guessing that St. Peter now has a new registration process. Right. <laughs> Let's check with Fred. Fred showed up and said, no, 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 that is not the way you register people. You know, this is important. You've got to get their address, their information. You know, this, is, this, is, this, is, this can't be a Mickey Mouse operation. We've got to get this done correctly. So I'm sure there's some, been some, some suggestions put forth already. I love it. Mark, give us a little background. When did Fred take the, take the, really take the reins out there at Grandview? You know, in the early 60s. Amazing! It was in the, in the I don't know, know the exact date, but in, he came to work there in the '60s and um, worked there for gosh, I think it was close to right about 30 years. Is actually about how long he he worked out here. Um, I've been at Grandview for 40 years, and so here's a here's something I figured out um, yesterday. For 40 years, I have had at least one, and maybe as many as a hundred conversations a day with Fred. <laughs> 300 days a year for 40 years. <laughs> I mean, and to think I've had my last conversation with him is a little bit um, little bit unique. Um, uh, that's, uh, that's hard for me to uh, envision. You know, Fred had a phenomenal passion for the resort business um, long before he got into golf. Um, Fred was a state champion tennis player in high school. And as I actually talked to someone who played high school tennis against Fred... In, in, and he said it was like playing against the garage door. He said it wasn't flashy, but he hit it back to you every time. <laughs> he got to everything, and it was always back at you, back at you, back at you. And uh, he just he was relentless, and he wore you down. <laughs> and you know, he played college tennis, and he played college hockey. Um, he for a long time he had the most letters ever won at Blake School. Wow. And it was something like varsity letters. He won like 11 or 12. And it was only fitting that the person who broke his record was his daughter, Julie. She <laughs> had that? 13. Wow. And, I mean, and, and um, her, his, one of his other daughters, Carolyn, was a, I think she won eight or nine state championship medals um, in gymnastics. Um, you know, the other daughters had, were just phenomenal athletes. Uh, so, so Fred had some pretty strong genes in there in when it came to, comp, com, came to competition and to athletic ability. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if Fred said to his daughter, if I'd have known you'd have done that, I'd have won a few more letters. <laughs> <laughs> he probably looked, actually, what he probably did is looked for a technicality. Right. That, well, back in the day, when I was in seventh grade, I couldn't play varsity. Or, you know, there you they go. Have, yeah. They didn't have soccer back then or something like that. That's, that's the way he would have put it. He described Mark a little bit of the genesis of golf in the area and how there were the uh, the smaller, not uh, not I mean, good golf courses certainly area, but nothing like uh, what would happen at the Pines and the Preserve, and then uh, just explode from there. Sure. Well, I like to say that um, well, you know, sometimes um, you, you, you'd rather you'd rather be lucky than good, and um, 
in, in one instance, in the, as it came to, come, came to golf, Brownie Coat many years ago had purchased the land for the pines across the street from um, from Grandview, and you know it was 340 acres, and it was just it was sitting there for I think 50 years. I think Brownie had owned it for 50 years before we started building the pines, and we saw this was this big emphasis on golf all over the country. And we ran the numbers on it. We did pro formas. We said, this looks really good. It almost looked too good to be true when we, when we ran the business plan for the Pines. And so, you know, we, we also had some outside influence from uh, some Coat family, put some outside directors on their company board. And some of them were golfers. And they said, nope, this resort is ready. It's, if it's going to take the next step, we've got to do something serious. And, you know, Madden's... Madden's had the vision long before Grandview ever did about you know how important you know golf was and and Madden's had the best golf you know in many respects north of Minneapolis and it wasn't uh, in terms of public golf Madden's had it for years and years they were way ahead of us and um, so what happened is we ran the numbers uh, we we did a couple layouts we hired Joel Goldstrand and um, and a partner of his who was a builder to do some feasibility studies. And the next thing you know, um, we started building the Pines Golf Course. Uh, we, it took a little while longer than we thought because we didn't know anything about it. And so it took longer than we thought to build it. And it was, you know, about 40% more expensive than we thought. Uh, but the good news is when it opened, it was, I like to say, it was like opening a lemonade stand in the desert. <laughs> you know, it wasn't that we were brilliant. It was we had a good product. A product was in high demand in a high demand location. And so that, that's how it got started. We were, and it just exploded. No sooner did we get that first 18 done than we started thinking about the third nine because the demand was so high. And we started seeing guests come who had never come before. We started hearing stories about people literally now considering moving to Nisswa for their summer home because there was good golf in the area. You know, there was, you know, there was good golf up in Alexandria, and there was good golf on the south end of Gull Lake, and there was good golf up in Bemidji, but there wasn't anything on, in the, on the north end of Gull Lake, and you know, in this general area, on the, on, you know, up, up where we are, and, and all of a sudden, you know, our little micro um, uh, community here became a place where it became really hot for uh, people to retire to because the um, the golfing uh, product changed so much. So we started hearing, got some national recognition. We got people coming from all over the country to come to play golf here. Um, you know, they just heard about it, and it was much better golf than they expected. And then a couple of years later, we we um, we built the, the third nine, and then about that same time, we bought and finished the preserve. And so all of a sudden, like, the, and, and um, Chris, you'll understand this. We actually did forty over forty one thousand rounds of golf on twenty seven holes at the Pines one year. It's amazing. 41,000 is just a number that just blows me away. Right now we do about 30, and that's a good number. Back in the day, before we knew any better, you know, we were eight-minute tee times and five-minute round, five-hour rounds. But it made so much money that, frankly, it allowed us to change the rest of the resort. Um, you know, it, it funneled money and, and ideas and creativity and, um, and some, you know, being able to, to build some additional units that we for, were for sale and people invested in rental units and those kind of things so it just changed it, it was the genesis of the um, the change in grandview well it was really the start of minnesota as a golf destination and great quality golf outside of the twin cities well it's it, you know 
amazing how many people came through and looked at it. And and um, I think that you know a lot of people looked at it and said, well, if these idiots can do it, so can we. So, <laughs> so you know, then it's Madden's did it, and and obviously um, Rutgers did it, and and Dutch went in in a big way, and up in the North Shore with uh, with, with Superior National and then Giants Ridge, and and just on and on, Blueberry Pines, and you know, it became. It, it really became something where in northern Minnesota there's a ton of really, really good golf. Uh, I am happy to say and I'm proud of the fact that Fred and I, you know, we were on the front end of this and, and Fred had a had a really intense vision about this and, you know, it's not often in your career where you get to participate in changing a community and, um, and, and for the positive and I think that's one of those opportunities that because I was working with Fred I got to participate in and Fred Fred's name is all over it. I mean, Fred Boos absolutely changed, um, you know, the golf scene in Minnesota and, and actually even the vacation scene in northern Minnesota. You're listening to our interview with Mark Ronai, General Manager and Director of Development at Grandview Lodge, and his remembrances of Fred Boos and their 40 years working together at Grandview. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons. You're listening to our conversation with Mark Ronai, General Manager and Director of Development at Grandview Lodge and his remembrances of 40 years working together with Fred Booz. And when you guys started, Fred, what, really, what, neither one of you were really golfers, right? I was terrible, and Fred was almost as bad. <laughs> and, I mean, Fred knows, knew so little about golf. Uh, my favorite story that I used to tease him about is when we just had that little nine-hole garden course, and he thought it was too short, and that it didn't look good on the scorecard. So he changed the scorecard. <laughs> he didn't lengthen the holes. He did, he just decided, well, we got to have it at least twenty seven hundred yards or something. So he just he just added distance to the you know added distance to the scorecard, which obviously you can't do. <laughs> but that's what he did, and to make it look better, and that's how little he knew about golf. You know that was he would never have done that. You know once he knew about it. But we started playing golf, and he started playing golf, and he um, we started meeting a lot of people and. Uh, people, the one thing about golf, something about golf that's really unique is, you know, we got so much input from so many people who know so much more than we did. They knew what they were talking about, and they loved talking about golf. And so as we got started, we, that helped us, and, and, and I think golf is the most um, amazing word-of-mouth game in terms of if you play something, you'll tell 50 other people about it. And Because, you know, when you're playing a round of golf, you, one of the things you always talk about, where have you played? Well, you know, we opened the Pines, and all of a sudden everyone's talking about the Pines. And they're, and they're, they're talking about it all, all the time. And it was just, it was amazing how good that worked out, how well that worked out for us. Um, the Pines, we had a, a nice logo that Fred was really responsible for. One year, do you remember the Dayton's Challenge, Chris? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, for, actually for three years or two years in a row, um, the Dayton's Challenge, the number one hat that people were wearing watching the um, event was the Pines hat, the Pines golf hat. That's neat. Nice. And yeah. It's it just, it, you know, it's, it's a funny little thing, but it's, but it, you know, again, Fred had a, had a vision for what that logo needed to look like. And, you know, we were going to call it Majestic Pines, and we were going to call it Purgatory Pines, and we were going to all these. And then we, one year, one day, we just decided, no, we're just going to call it the Pines at Grandview Lodge. And... And it stuck, and it made a really, really nice logo, and um, and the rest is history. About that, for about three years in a row, we were the number one imperial hat um, customer seller 
in the Midwest. Wow. I've been in the, some of the purgatory pines that are up there several <laughs> times, Mark. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, anyway. You, to get back to golf for a minute, uh, Fred, we had uh, interviewed Fred a few years ago with the other uh, legends in the area, Dutch and Jack and Brian Thuringer, and uh, it was great to have the four of them together. But uh, he talked about golf and uh, and you guys uh, playing, not playing a lot, like you were just saying. So give us a little background on like, we, what we were just uh, off air before we started about some of the places you and uh, Fred played golf. Fred and I, Fred and I, and then we would take a couple of, you know, the other pros, Tom Kinsley came, came with us on some trips, and Kevin Cashman, and Mark Neva, and some others. But, okay, so I, I have a couple of quick stories to tell you. One was, Fred and I actually, I like to say, we played on the unlimited golf package at Augusta National. <laughs> <laughs> and now, if, now, the way that works is you're, you're, across the parking, you're across the street in a parking lot waiting for the member. The member shows up at the front door of Augusta National, and he, they call you and say, you can come now, because you can't set foot on there with, you know, no matter who the member is or when they're coming, until they're there, you can't set foot on that place. So we go, we check into the Eisenhower cabin, and so then we, we, we check in the Eisenhower cabin, we go to the clubhouse, we have dinner at the Augusta National Clubhouse, we go upstairs, we meet Lou Holtz in the champion's room, we come downstairs, we go back to the, to the cabin after dinner, um, we play gin on the table that President, President Eisenhower and Sam Sneed and those guys used to play gin on. <laughs> I mean, that's a freak show. I mean, that's amazing. <laughs> so then we got up in the morning, we played golf. Um, we went up in the morning, had breakfast. We played Augusta National, 18 holes. Then we went over and, and, and our host said, uh, let's go play the nine. So we went over and played the little par three, uh, which you see on television. We went back to the clubhouse, cleaned up. And we're walking up for dinner, and I turned to Fred and said, you know, even if they realize we don't belong here, we've already played. So um, then we went up and had dinner. Uh, again, gin and, and you know, playing gin. And the next morning we got up and played another 18 at Augusta and, and went home. On the 16th hole the second day, Fred, the pin in the, in the Sunday position, and golfers will know what I'm talking about, is the, the, on the 16th hole of par three, the pin was down by the water. Fred hits it up high in the green, and it's rolling down toward the cup. And it looks like it's going to go in. I mean, <laughs> four feet out, I thought the, cup, the, the, the ball was going to go in the cup. <laughs> and an instant flash in my head was, Fred's going to walk up to the edge of the water, have a heart attack, die face first in this pond. <laughs> over with. He's dead because he's got nothing left to live for. So the ball rolls and it disappears, and then it pops out. So it, it probably it probably was an inch behind the cup. Mm. But I was I was convinced that that was it. I had to get ready to make arrangements for because he wasn't going to live through it. <laughs> so we so then we played that. And then we went the next day. We went and played Bobby Jones's home track, which is East Lake in Atlanta, which is a two hundred fifty thousand dollar initiation to play. And I like to say, I don't know how many people have ever had that be the second best course they've had on one golf trip. <laughs> uh, so, and then, then we, uh, we also, we played, um, you know, Fred played Pine Valley, which again, which typical Fred, there's no smoking anywhere. In the, but, so here's Fred hiding in the woods, <laughs> caught by the by a player assistant at Pine Valley smoking. <laughs> He's lucky he wasn't thrown off. And then we played, we played Cypress Point, which is the private club at, um, at, at, 
at Pebble Beach, which again is super exclusive and just a million stories out there. And, you know, this again is a place where no one gets to play and we played it. And like, I, I think I've played three of the top 10 courses in the United States. And I think Fred played 25 of the top 50, which is just an amazing feat. Oh, that's um, pretty good so stuff. We got, and for a couple of hacks, you know, at least I was a hack of 16. We never knew really what Fred's handicap was because there was the reported handicap and then there was the handicap he played to when when he had to bear down. Uh, he was a competitor. I think I think Fred's competitiveness was both his his uh, it was it was good and bad. He was ultra competitive. It wouldn't matter if it was if it was cribbage or if it was bocce ball or if it was a putting contest or if it was 18 holes for a state championship. Uh, it was the same level of intensity with Fred. There's <laughs> not many, not many trophies accepted for second place in his life. And, and building a resort, he was uh, feels the same way there too. You know, we he he really he was great at putting himself into the the place of a guest, and I think that's something that like Jack those of that um, age group, Jack Rutker, and you know uh, the people at Madden's and Dutch, and so you know they were really good at putting themselves in the place of a customer. What would a customer want? What would I want if I was a customer? And I think Fred, that was always his, his motto. We've got to be easy to do business with, and what would the customer want? Uh, those are good lessons to learn. Yeah, that's Absolutely. a great takeaway. That's kind of, Fred said uh, similar things when, when he and uh, uh, Brownie were kind of uh, button heads about how they should run the hotel part of the business. And uh, <laughs> yeah, That was not a, a duo that was going to coexist. <laughs> that lasted about about two weeks, and then it was either Brownie or Fred, and Brownie didn't want to do it that badly, so Fred took over. So your opportunity, Mark, to work with a visionary, really, your whole professional career has to really be, uh, well, just, uh, I don't, you, you never get that opportunity, and here you've done it for 40 years. Well, you know, it's, it's funny, because when I started at Grandview, we were open 120 days a year. We had 79 employees in the summer, and we had seven in the winter. Um, we did well under a million dollars in revenue. Um, a busy day was 150 guests. And now a busy day is going to be 1,000 guests this summer. Um, you know, we, we're open every day. Um, we have 700 employees in the summer and 230 in the winter. We do the same amount of business today in dollar volume in three days that I did my first year. Wow. And my busiest three days are equal to my first year at Grandview in terms of revenue. And so... I got to do something that, you know, I mean, how many people get to stay in one place for 40 years? And like I said, Fred and I had a, had a, had a unique relationship. Um, you know, we could say anything to each other, and then the next day we just started over. So I like to say, I probably said more mean things to Fred than anyone in my life, and he said more mean things <laughs> to me. But the next day, it was forgotten, because we, we, we could let it all hang out, so to speak, when we were airing our ideas. <laughs> That's awesome. More. Mark, you guys have always been ahead of the curve and and you know pioneering things. What what's what's next for Grandview? What's uh, what do you have on your plate right now? Well, it's uh, I mean I always thought I, I can I, I was busy. I knew what busy was, but right this minute, I've never been this busy in my life. We uh, we are in the process of selling twenty one um, twenty one units on the garden course, twenty one rental units. These will be very high end, the highest end units ever in Minnesota. These are 21 units at a million dollars each. And we've got half of them pre-sold. So there's six under construction right now. Um, so we're, we're, 
that's going to add a nice amount of capacity to us. We are going to break ground uh, everything if everything holds together right now the way it should um, on a 60-room boutique hotel, also on the garden course. Um, there will be a conference hotel, but also a, be- a boutique hotel for couples and weddings and things like that. It's going to be a very, very high-end finish hotel. We're going to build a new, same time June 1st, we're going to break ground on a... Uh, on a new recreation center for our guests. They will have an indoor pool with a water slide, an outdoor pool. It'll have a yoga studio, a couple thousand square feet of children's program space, a uh, spinning room, a uh, fitness center. And then outside around it, we're gonna build, you know, I think, well, something I think is gonna be really fun. I think we're gonna build Minnesota's first cornhole stadium. <laughs> oh, really? The beanbag game. The beanbag, uh, yeah. Six to eight stations, uh, lights, scoreboards, cup holders are mandatory, and bleachers. Um, so that, you know, we think for conferences and that, they'll get a big kick out of that, and also for families and family reunions. Climbing wall, putting greens, a couple of sand volleyball, professional sand volleyball courts, high ropes course, some new tennis courts, all, all that stuff. We're also building a chapel. Um, a 70-seat chapel on the grounds here that's going to be really old school. It's going to look like it's been here forever. Then in September, we plan to start a, a, an expansion to double the size of our spa. Uh, our spa has been extremely, extremely successful, and we're going to position it as a, as a destination spa. Then the last thing we're doing is we've also started another housing project out on the Pines. It's really hidden. You can't see much of it from the Pines. But... It'll be a 20-unit, um, you know, half a million dollar kind of um, community where, again, it'll be people can use them for 40, 42 days a year in the, in the summer, and then the rest of the time we rent them for them. Uh, swimming pool, we have a 100-yard-long putting, putting um, range out there. We have uh, some other amenities. So by the time, uh, you know, uh, the next 18 months are going to be 1,000 miles an hour, <laughs> and, and we'll see what we have, won't we? So other than that, you're not doing yeah. anything, Mark. Yeah, that's exactly right. So that's why that's why I, I I now have taken to full time adding the director of development title to my name because maybe I'm really the director of development and general manager. <laughs> right, so. right. Well, that is exciting stuff, Mark. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's you know it's um, you know I don't have a lot longer to do this. You know, after doing it for forty years, I'm getting old. Um, but you know, this is this is. This is going to keep me young for a little while longer. Yeah, I'm yeah. To, to see this all, all this stuff through um, and set Grandview up for you know the next hundred years. We just celebrated our, our hundredth year anniversary a couple of years ago, and the next hundred years are for sure the next twenty five are going to be really exciting because this is going to position Grandview to to be something it's never been before. Mark, thanks for taking the time with the memories of Fred. One thing I always like to say is there's people in your life that you can never thank enough for everything you do for a community or for an individual, but you guys at Grandview have done so much for the community, and uh, just thanks a million for that. And uh, and uh, thanks for remembering Fred. He was a rough around the edges, competitive guy, and you know better than anybody about that, but uh, the one a lot of odd accomplishments. I'll say really quick, and that is the thing people don't know about Fred is how generous he was to people who needed help. Um, no one knew this. The stuff he's done for people that, that he made sure no one knew that he did it. I mean, on and on and over and over and over again, changing people's lives, some, sometimes in a big way and sometimes in a little way. But he was super generous, but he never wanted anyone to know about it. And that's something that, that I'm proud that, you know, to have helped him once in a while to, to get that executed. But also I'm just, I'm happy to tell people about that because that's, you know, that's a side of Fred that not many people knew. Uh, that's great. That's neat stuff, Mark. All right. We, 
you guys take care. Thanks for the call. Thanks Thank a you. million, Mark. Appreciate it. That's Mark Ronay, General Manager and Director of Development at uh, Grandview Lodge, with his rememberings of uh, Fred Booz, uh, the late Fred Booz, who did so much for our community. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons, 1380 KLIZ, the fan streaming at uh, lakeswoodsandirons.com, also now at Podcast One. Again, thanks to our sponsor, uh, Mills GM, the home of affordable luxury, the 2018 Buicks. Chris Foley on the phone with us from the driving range today, and we'll get a couple of questions in uh, for Chris here in a couple of minutes related to that. Chris, we're coming up not too far away now at uh, Karnuski, the uh, Karnusti, I should say, the 19th through the 22nd. Uh, always a lot of fun uh, for many, many years. Uh, uh, the British Open, I think, at least for European players, Australian players, kind of thought of as uh, uh, the 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 major of all majors, but now it's shifted. I think a little bit more to the Masters, but uh, uh, the British Open is huge. Yeah, the the champion golfer of the year. It uh, is what they always say at the end. Uh, but yeah, it's. Um, I say this about every major, I guess, but it's. Uh, One of your- <laughs> I, I, it, it would it would be definitely a very close second to the Masters for me in in terms of. Uh, uh, favorites and uh, I absolutely love waking up at uh, four four thirty in the morning and getting to watch a few hours before I go to work and <laughs> right um, and uh, you know as I talk I, I I love the I love the golf over there in the venues um, of of the British Open Rota that Carnoustie would be wouldn't necessarily be one of my favorite golf courses but it, but it's a great golf course you know a lot of great champions there including Ben Hogan yeah yeah. Uh, speaking of great champions, we maybe uh, should have mentioned it a week or two ago, but uh, uh, the great Peter Thompson passed away. He had a yeah. good long life in his uh, late 80s, I believe, and uh, he won five British Opens. Five uh, times. Kind of in a class by himself along with uh, uh, Tom Watson. Then we also lost uh, Hubert Green a couple of weeks ago, won the PGA and the U.S. Open, and then uh, yeah. Phil Phil Rogers this week. Yeah, I um I'll tell you, I, I, I was fortunate to get to spend a couple hours with Phil Rogers maybe 15 years ago, and he was a grumpy guy, but, boy, he, um, what a short game and short game instructor. And, um, you know, he was really the guy who resurrected Jack Nicklaus's short game um, back in the early 80s and had, uh, I think, 82 or 83, and he, Jack ended up winning the PGA Championship and the U.S. Open that year. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, Phil yeah. Rogers thought of as a great instructor. I was actually wondering when I saw that if uh, if you'd ever had a chance to uh, had a chance to meet him because he's thought of as one of the great instructors in the game. So, yeah, he was for sure, and he he worked with a lot of a lot of tour players, especially on wedge play, and um, that's what he was kind of known for. A lot of those guys that we just mentioned, Peter, uh, Hubert Green, really uh, a, a likable guy. Sounds like by all accounts on the PGA Tour and. We talk about a guy with we've talked about swing your swing quite a bit lately. Hubert Green had <laughs> I don't know where he got the swing, but somehow it worked for him. He got to the bottom okay. That was about the only good part of it. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he definitely had a unique swing. <laughs> um, they say he was was maybe the best chipper ever in the game. No kidding. Yeah, they said when 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 he when he had a you know when he had a chance to chip the golf ball, it was. Uh, he was getting it up and down more than anybody ever. Uh, just great hands and feel. 
Had a couple of questions. Uh, Chris uh, came in, uh, I guess, similar in in the era of uh, of uh, technology and those kind of things. Both these have a little bit to do with that. I, and I'm I'm guessing I maybe partially know the answer to the first one, but we let you handle them. Uh, how do I know what flex to use on my clubs, and is it different from uh, driver to my irons? Yeah, sh- shaft flex is. Um, uh, First part, it should be consistent in, in all of your golf clubs. And really the, the shaft is, bottom line, is just it's, it's a timing device. And if the shaft fits you properly, uh, your shot dispersion is going to be narrower. You know, whether it's too soft or too stiff for you, uh, your misses are, are going to tend to be wider. And really the, the way shaft flex is determined, you know, um, we use TrackMan, our launch monitor, to, to measure for you, but uh, it's partially club head speed, and then it is all, it's also has to do with how you how you load the shaft. And basically, the load is is you know the tempo and timing of your downswing, and um, so it, it's really a process of a fitting process. You have to try the shafts to. To see how they they work for you, and there there are no there are no hard and fast rules uh, as far as what what is going to work for somebody. But um, you know, can, there there are swing speed ranges uh, that certain shafts fit into. So then you can with TrackMan, you can make a lot of recommendations for people. It's gonna it's gonna be the like you say timing device and uh, I guess power of the swing. Um, yeah, makes a big difference. Yeah, and that's that's a that's a big part of the fitting process, and uh, it's really easy to see that the you know when when the shaft fits properly, the when when the player generally will hit it further. But biggest thing is is their shot dispersion is going to be is going to be tighter. And uh, in the world of analytics, also this one uh, is a word I think a lot of people hear, and I didn't really. Uh, it's a coefficient of restitution, I believe, and uh, this uh, we're lo- looking for the definition to that. Uh, core, you hear a lot of that to talk about core. Yeah. So coefficient of restitution is just the the speed in which the golf ball leaves the club face. And um, so, for instance, a, a perfectly struck driver, uh, if you hit in the center of the club face, ideal transfer energy would be the ball would leave at about one and a half times the uh, the club head speed. So, for instance, if if you struck a driver, if you had 100 mile an hour club speed, and the ball ball left the club face at 150 miles an hour, um, what we call the smash factor would be 1.5, and that would be um, you know kind of perfect transfer of energy and um, a very high COR. And they they the USGA the the way coefficient of restitution came about is uh, it was the way the USGA tested drivers uh, to make sure that the faces were conforming. Um, you know, if you have too high of COR, the, the, the club head wouldn't be conforming. So they limit that. So it's, a, it's and similar to baseball, the exit speed is maybe a, a, a simpler term maybe as far as... Uh, Correct. How quick the ball. We, I think golf should steal that over over coefficient of restitution. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think there's an old joke. Probably works with Nicholas too. I don't know if he hit it uh, 
harder than anybody else, but it got smaller a lot faster. <laughs> I like that. It reminds me of you, Mac. Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. Uh, if we could just get me down the middle, Chris, although uh, i, I, I got to say lately, I seem a little more relaxed out there. I think the grip we did at uh, the last lesson we had, uh, at least for now, has me less off track. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> All right, Chris, have a great uh, holiday weekend, and uh, hopefully you get a day or two off from uh, the work you're doing out there. And in the meantime, uh, get some people better, okay? <laughs> Thanks, Mac. We'll see you soon. All right, that's Chris Foley. He's up at uh, Craigens with Lessons today. And uh, put Chris on here. If you have never had a golf lesson from a pro, uh, let me give you a tip. Chris uh, Foley can help you out. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Thanks for listening to today's edition of Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Today's broadcast is sponsored by Breezy Point Resort, your holiday station store on Mill Avenue and Cross Lake, Maury's Market, Ernie's on Gull, The Tea Hive, Halverson Law Office, and the Legacy Courses at Craigens. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com, sponsored by Mills GM. We now return to our regularly scheduled program at 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Ladies, we know what we want from our birth control. But what about what's in our birth control? That's why I chose the 100% hormone-free Paragard intrauterine copper contraceptive, It's the only birth control that uses just one simple active ingredient to prevent pregnancy over 99% of the time, with no hormones and no daily routines. Paragard is a small IUD that prevents pregnancy for up to 10 years using copper. Ready to get what you want? Talk to your healthcare provider to see if Paragard could be right for you. Don't use if you have a pelvic infection including PID, get infections easily, certain cancers, Wilson's disease, or a copper allergy. Pregnancy is rare but can be life-threatening and cause infertility or loss of pregnancy. Paragard may attach to or go through the uterus. Tell your healthcare provider if you miss a period, have abdominal pain, or it comes out. At first, periods may become heavier and longer with spotting in between. It won't protect against HIV or STDs. For product information or to learn more, visit Paragard.com.